Hey there, thoughtful listener. This is Josh Elledge, CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. I'm so excited to announce our new Thoughtful Entrepreneur High Ticket Sales Coaching Program, which you can try absolutely free. No credit card needed. Head to upmyinfluence.com slash free. We're also actively seeking guests for our daily commercial-free entrepreneurial inspiration podcast, the one you're listening to. If you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business, send them our way. Just go to upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now let's get on with the show. With us right now, it's Tim Parkin. Tim, you're a fellow, or what do we say, Orlandoing or Orlandoing? <laughs> I think that's our, you're, Floridian, you're, yeah. You're in my neck of the woods, uh, and uh, you are the uh, your marketing consultant. Uh, you're the president of Parkin Consulting, and you're found on the web at timparkin.com. Tim, you work with some big companies. Uh, and uh, you help them with their um, performance of their marketing teams. And, and I'll let you explain a little bit more about that. Welcome, and, and please give us an overview of what you do, of your work. Yeah, thanks, Josh. I'm excited to be here. You know, it's funny being in Florida. I've been in Florida most of my life now, but uh, it's probably not my ideal place. I love the rain, which we don't get too much of that here. But uh, that's aside the point. Uh, I'm an advisor. During hurricane marketing. season, yes, we we do. But the rest that's of it, true. not, not yeah, so much. I love the hurricanes. I think they're great. You know, being in central of the <laughs> state, little excitement. too bad. Yeah, that's right. It's fun. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Josh, I'm an advisor to global marketing executives, and I help them to rapidly and dramatically improve the performance of their marketing teams. Uh, that's a fancy way of saying I help them find what's not working and fix it so they can do better. And one of my key tenants is what I call marketing inside out, which is this idea that, you know, the team itself, how the team operates, their processes, their approach is really almost more important than the customers and the work they're doing to reach customers and speak to them. Yeah. And and Tim, you work primarily with large enterprise level companies. That's correct. As a virtue of working with teams, you know, I have to work with companies that have a marketing team. And so mostly big companies have those teams and the teams can range from anywhere from five people to a hundred people on the marketing team. Yeah. How did you get there? <laughs> like, cause uh, where, where, where did you start from, from kind of from school and how did you get, cause you've been at the helm now as a consultant for nearly 11 years. So congratulations on that longevity. Um, but how did you knit yourself into that space? It's a really uh, crazy journey, Josh, to be honest. You know, I started at a young age, I was into magic, you know, card tricks and things like that. And I wanted to be a professional magician. Wow. Um, then didn't work out, obviously, uh, when I realized <laughs> that to be a professional magician, you work nights and weekends, right? That's when people are having dinner and having parties. And I thought, that's not for me. So then I was into programming and I did programming for a long time. Here in Florida, I went to Full Sail, actually. We were just talking about UCF. I also went there uh, and I had my degree in information technology and programming. I did programming for all sorts of startups and big companies and everything like that. But what I realized along the way is that they didn't have a programming problem. They didn't have a development problem. We we're building products and software, but they weren't getting customers. And that's when it clicked with me. I realized they don't have a product problem. They have a marketing problem. And so I really got interested in the marketing and dove in head first. And I found, and we can unpack this more if you'd like, that marketing is about people and how they think and how they behave. And that's a lot of where my passion for magic comes from. It's understanding how people think, how they respond, how they act, and tapping into that to influence them in different ways. 
Yep. I think that's absolutely brilliant. And, um, you know, one thing, so uh, my background is on the consumer side of things, understanding and leading on consumer behavior and trying to create a more sophisticated consumer. And I'm sure, Tim, that that you could probably talk about this, but the level of sophistication and intelligence and awareness and you know, the amount of resources that everybody has today, as opposed to 15, 20 years ago, and the level at which we leverage that, those resources is, I mean, it's a whole new world uh, that, that's never existed on the planet before, um, just about that interconnectedness that we have. Um, and it's really changed the game for marketing. Oh, it absolutely has. You're so right. We're surrounded by information and access and data. We have voice search and we have texting and we have, you know, social media platforms and everything's at our fingertips. You know, I can sit in bed and order new stuff from Amazon that will come, you know, next day or even same day in some cases. So you're right. The consumer has all the power and they have so much access to information and data. But at the same time, right now, what we're seeing is this uh, battle, this war on data and data privacy. And now consumers are trying to, you know, take hold of their data and their information. And so that's a big challenge for marketing because now it's how do you get that data and leverage that data and use it correctly from consumers if you're not going to have access to it. And so we saw it this year with, you know, Apple and the iOS changes, Facebook and the data privacy changes there. So it's a big battle between marketers and consumers and that access and data that we all have and can share. Yeah. Okay. So. What is, how might a company know that you, they need you? Like, what's that, what's that pain point? How might they see that within their organization go, better call Tim? There's two cases uh, that are really common. The first is that they're growing and they hit a brick wall and they realize you know, we were growing, something changed. What do we do now? And that's pretty common. But the second, which you may not think is common, is uh, also frequent they're growing and they realize we're not growing as much as we could or should. How do we keep growing and grow faster? And so I help companies to accelerate their growth in that way. And so, for example, one of my clients is a really big company. They were acquired, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. And then they realized now that we've been acquired, how do we propel this growth? How do we make this investment that was just made into us pay off? And so that's what they brought me in. So those are the two cases. And both of them, it's the same set of problems, finding those bottlenecks, finding those opportunities, and then exploiting them. Yeah. Um, when when you talked about this concept of understanding the audience, what what work are you doing there? And and where do you often see a disconnect? I mean, I've got my own opinions and what I see a lot of marketers. I just I don't think that they consider their audiences with enough respect is, is one of my biggest complaints I see around a lot of marketers is oftentimes consumers are reduced down to just numbers and they're not treated like intelligent human beings, just like themselves. That's my observation. That's my bias, but I don't know what you're, what you've seen. Yeah. I think that's a very fair bias. And a lot of people do look at consumers as numbers. I'd say also when I talk to my clients, you know, I say, when's the last time you talk to your customers? And they all say the same thing. We're very customer centric. We're so customer focused. We talk to our customers all the time, right? You've heard this. And then you look at what they actually do and they never talk to their customers. They have no clue what their customers are doing and thinking and saying. And their idea of talking to their customers is we sent a survey out last year or we did a research report, you know, a year and a half ago, or we did mm -hmm. a, you know, NPS, Net Promoter Score, uh, and we have that set up and, and we get a bunch of high numbers. That means absolutely nothing. You have to actually go out on the streets and talk to customers and really get to know them. And so with my clients, we do a lot of customer interviews, 
a lot of usability testing, and we get a lot of voice of customer research because that stuff matters. Yeah. So how do we gather that information then? How can we make that a much better, uh, bigger practice of truly, rather than just like once a year, we send out, hey, you want to take a survey? Click here. No, no one wants to take a survey. And the data you're going to get are going to be, it, it, it's not, it's horrible data because who, who, which segment of your audience would say, okay, sure, I'm really busy right now, but you know what? I'm going to put that all aside so I can take your survey. <laughs> like, I, I don't how, how do we do that a little? How do we do that better? Because my my illustration just points out how ridiculous, how silly that is. Um, that's not good data. But how do we get better data? Well, I'll tell you one simple trick, and then I'll tell you uh, you know what I think is best practice here. Uh, the simple trick is to read reviews of your competitors and your own products. And if you go mm-hmm. on Amazon and read reviews, you can find a lot of interesting insights from customers expressing their pains, their frustrations, the things that they loved about a competitor's product, et cetera. And my wife sent me something really funny the other day. Yankee Candles is having a real big problem on Amazon reviews right now because a bunch yeah. of people are saying they can't smell the candles because they have long COVID or you know, <gasps> COVID and, they, and their smell is affected. And it's I a just really saw big a news story about that. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. So how do you combat that? So, But reading reviews is one way to find out insights from customers and see, again, what do they like? What do they not like? And you can use those in your ads, in your ad copy, in your emails, in your marketing, et cetera. But the best way, I'd say, one of my clients is a, uh, in the pet industry. They're a global manufacturer of non-food pet goods. And they, almost all their employees have pets themselves. And so if you think about it, they are their own customers. Forgive the pun, but they eat their own dog food, basically. You know, they have pets and so they use their own products with their pets and they get that feedback loop. And so that's the best case is if you can have employees who basically are customers or said another way, if you can hire customers to be your employees, then you have the ultimate feedback. You have the ultimate source of truth because now you are the consumer and you know exactly what a consumer would feel and how they'd want to be marketed to and what they'd be looking for. And this is where community comes in. If you can create a community of your best consumers, your best customers, then you can get that data from them. You talked about survey and people don't want to answer a survey. When you have mm-hmm. a community of VIPs and you treat them as VIPs, yeah. they're more than happy to give you feedback, participate in surveys, and do all sorts of things for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you do, Tim, for your own marketing? a great question. Referrals is the, the lifeblood of my business. And so yeah. you know, over the 10, 11 years now, it's been all through referrals primarily. Uh, I do host a couple small events throughout the year where I invite people, you know, clients and non-clients uh, to attend. And I do some webinars here and there as well. But mostly it's, you know, do good work and more work will follow. And that's what I've done throughout the years. Yeah, for sure. Um, when, um, you know, in, in the other, in, I'm saying, if we're thinking about um, what's going on in, you know, if, if, do you work primarily with consumer brands? Is that? Yes, both B2C, B2B, all across oh, okay. a wide range of industries. And, and what are, would you say are the more immediate trends, uh, particularly, you know, you obsess over what you do on a daily basis. So I'm curious what, if we were to give you a crystal ball and you were to say, you know, here's my top one or two predictions in the world of marketing over the next couple of years, watch out for this and this, like, what would those be? Yeah. Data and privacy is the biggest one. 
you know, we're already seeing changes this year, as I mentioned, with Apple, with Facebook. We're going to see more on that. I'm predicting that there's going to be another massive breach of data next year. I don't want it to happen, but I think it's going to happen. I think it's going to scare people even more. Consumers are fighting for, you know, privacy and control of their data. And in marketing, we need that data. And I can't tell you how many massive companies don't have first party data. That's like, you know, data that they own about you, your name, your email, things like that. They're relying on advertisers' data, third-party data, so they can't market to you if they lose that data. So yeah. Apple, Facebook, Google, there's going to be a more privacy changes there that's going to hurt marketing but help consumers. And again, that's a double-edged coin, right? We want to protect consumers, but we also need to be able to market to them. And so there's a big balance. Uh, the second is sensitivity. You know, there's a lot of sensitivity uh, that we've seen this year, a lot of awareness that I think is positive and good. You're going to see marketing and brands be more attuned and be more sensitive in their approach and avoid delicate topics or be more inclusive and more diverse, for example. Um, the third thing I'd say is video. You know, video is here to stay. The pandemic has put us, you know, on Zoom, for example, and video is gonna become a mainstay. You're gonna see a lot more video everywhere. We've already seen TikTok and YouTube shorts, you know, and Instagram now diving into video full stream. So video is another massive thing we're gonna see in marketing next year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and so for big companies that want to leverage video well, how can they do that in an authentic way, in the way that connects with consumers? Is it always just having a separate spokesperson that's a little bit removed from the brand? Or, you know, should the CMO actually get on video and say, hi, I'm the CMO (laughs) and actually get to know the people, you know, within the organization? I don't know. Yeah, they absolutely should. And I love that you said authentic because that's really what it's all about. You know, these uh, overproduced videos and commercials, they're great for TV, which is dying, by the way. Uh, and they have a place. You but don't we need say. To be- <laughs> <laughs> but we need to be authentic. And you look at T-Mobile, you know, with their uh, former CEO uh, who would just started the Uncarrier movement, uh, John Legere, and he was on video all the time. He would mm. have slow cooker Sundays where he'd live stream and just, you know, cook something and chat with customers. He would give away stuff on his live streams, but he created connection and a wow. real authentic connection relationship. That's what every business should be doing. You know, these companies think that they are a company and they're not. It's a collection of people serving other people. And when you think about it that way, when you treat it that way, you can really connect with consumers. I love it. I love it. So someone's listening to our conversation right now, rewind back about 30, 45 seconds and just listen to that little bit again. Because I think that that was just so on point with, again, my understanding of consumer behavior is we're looking for it. Like we, we, people don't do business with objects and things and even services or, or even products, right? It's people do business with people. It's human to human. Um, You know, what do you value? What do you care about? What, when I buy into this brand, what is, you know, what are, what am I buying into? Is it just a widget or is it something bigger than that? And what do you as a human care about? You know, I remember way back in the day, uh, Charlie Ergen, the CEO of Dish Network, would do, he's like, listen, we got a platform, you know, so he would do Charlie chats. We would just answer questions. And it really back then, you know, I can't speak for the company today. I don't know what they're up to. Uh, but I know back in the day, it was, I remember Dish was just such a community versus DirecTV. Again, market, is this a good example? I don't know. <laughs> I just, but all I know is I remember as a consumer of Dish, like, man, 
DirecTV is boring old corporate and I love Dish in this community and we're rebels and blah, blah, blah. Like, I just, I just think there's just so much opportunity to be more visible, to be more accessible. And guess what? We have so many tools at our disposal to make it so easy to connect with your audience rather than just sitting up in your ivory tower or up in, you know, in the, the penthouse suite in your, you know, in your office. Uh, that, that's not where the people are. Well, I think what's really interesting what you're saying, Josh, is it's so easy too, right? Like this isn't expensive. This isn't complicated. This isn't some mystery. It's just putting in the work and having that perspective and having the support and the buy-in to do this. And like you said, we have all the tools. We have all the resources. We have the people. We just have to make the time to do it. And I'll give you a really good example of this. Harper Collins in the publishing industry, you know, has a young adult division and they got uh, one or two of their interns basically to start a YouTube channel. And they said, go do a YouTube channel. We don't care. Do whatever you want. Well, guess what? It became this massive feature of their uh, young adult division, has millions of views, uh, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of followers, subscribers. And it was this wonderful thing because they said, let's go be authentic and have real people represent us and talk with our community. Well, then they said, this is such a great thing. Let's take it over and make it corporate, right? And then they killed it by doing ah! that. So you have to have... You have to have real people being authentic. Yeah. And, and again, these were interns. These were actual customers of theirs who they brought in. And this is what I'm saying. You have to have people who are passionate, who are authentic, yeah. who can have a real relationship. You can't have this facade of corporate nonsense. Yep. And at the very least, make your customers the star of the show, which that's not hard to do. You know, finding and recognizing great UGC out there, user-generated content, and encouraging it. You know, use this hashtag and then, hey, we are going to celebrate you as a consumer and, and make them the star of the show if you need, you know, because I'm thinking like what we're talking about here, Tim, I'm sure that there's some, you know, leaders who they say, oh my gosh, if I propose this, legal would have a, they would have a hissy right. fit. There's no way they would let me do this just because of the risk, you know, of what I could potentially say and shareholders, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's like they start thinking about that or, or even comms, you know, might say, Oh my gosh, you're making, you're going to make my job a nightmare. If you start a live stream or something like that. Yes. Everyone's so concerned about their own seat. And this is what I found, you know, in working with uh, executives is it's not necessarily what's best for the company. They're thinking about their own skin, right? We all are. Yeah. We don't want to lose our job. We don't want to be in trouble. And so we have to take these risks, take these leaps. And you can do it in a controlled way. You know, starting a YouTube like HarperCollins did was a small step. It wasn't this massive, you know, launch of a, a huge campaign. So you can start small. And I'd encourage anybody yeah. listening to this to start small and just start. That's the key thing. If you don't start, you'll never make progress on it. Yeah. And, and here's the thing too, right, is your audience knows. Like your audience, whatever your intention is, it's so hard to pull the wool over. Well, I don't see that. I mean, there's, it's, I don't want to say that's true, especially I think when it comes from like company, like eventually I think consumers are going to suss you out. Like they're going to, they know what's in your heart. And so certainly if you're lying, I think we'll, we'll, we'll pick that up pretty easily. Um, and so be authentic, be honest. Uh, and when, when you don't have a good answer, I think consumers are very understanding when you say, you know what, we don't know the right answer to this. And we're hoping that maybe you could let us know because we want to improve here. Like we recognize that this is a shortcoming of, you know, how our product is normally work. Please share with us your ideas. If we can make it work, we will make it work. 
man, an attitude like that today, I just think goes gangbusters. Like people just love that stuff. They do. Yeah. And it's so rare, right? Because we feel like we have to have the right answers and we have to say the right thing and all this stuff. But people have empathy. And that's what we have to realize is that when you open up like that, when you're authentic, when you're vulnerable, you know, people respond because people can relate to that. They can actually connect and, and cling on to that. But when you lock up and freeze up and feel like it has to be perfect, then you have no chance. Tim Parkin, Parkin Consulting. Your website is timparkin.com. When folks go there, Tim, what do they do? Yeah, you can find out a lot about me, see all the press and all the articles I've written for various sources like TechCrunch and Forbes, et cetera. And then you can also reach out and connect with me. And uh, if your audience wants to, you know, I have access to my vault, which is all of my intellectual property, uh, videos, trainings, eBooks, worksheets. And uh, I'm happy to share access to that with them as well. If you just sign up to my email list, or you can text me 844-311-3200, text the word grow to that number, and I'll get you access to all that good stuff. Awesome. All right, Tim Parkin, fellow Orlandoan. Thank you so much, Tim, for joining us. Great to connect with you, Josh. Thanks so much. Hey there, thoughtful listener. This is Josh Elledge, CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. I'm so excited to announce our new Thoughtful Entrepreneur High Ticket Sales Coaching Program, which you can try absolutely free. No credit card needed. Head to UpMyInfluence.com slash free. We're also actively seeking guests for our daily commercial-free entrepreneurial inspiration podcast, the one you're listening to. If you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business, send them our way. Just go to upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now let's get on with the show.